Good morning. How's everybody doing today? Y'all doing all right? Look at the enthusiasm. Thank you. Praise God. All right, y'all. We want to welcome you guys to Hope Haven Church. I want to thank you guys for coming out on today. Um, as you guys can see, it's Memorial Day weekend, and a lot of folks is out. Um, but God is good. God is good. Amen. Those of you that are supposed to be here are here, and I'm grateful to have you on today. Amen. My prayer partner's here, Brother Nate. Praise God. Sister Tony, all the way from Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just did a 40-day 40, uh, 40 prayer challenge, um, him, myself, and a few other guys. I enjoyed it. Well, definitely look forward to doing that again with you. Uh, so we're going to get right to it. We are closing out the book of Ruth. You guys ready? You guys ready? Yeah. All right. So we're going to close out the book of Ruth. Um, this has been a wonderful experience for the last few weeks. Um, I feel like I have fallen in love with this book um, because I've read it so much and I've got so much insight out of it. And uh, one thing that I've learned about the book of Ruth is that it points you to Christ. So we're going to go to the book of Ruth, the fourth chapter. Ruth, the fourth chapter, you can uh, pull out your phones, your Bibles. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's driving me crazy. Um, Ruth, the fourth chapter, starting at the first verse. I'm going to read this whole thing in its entirety because I'm going to be going through the whole entire uh, book. Are you guys ready? Jody, you ready? All right. I don't go till Jody ready. <laughs> All right. Ruth, the fourth chapter. It says, but I'm sorry. It says, Boaz went to the gate of the town and sat down there. Soon the family redeemer, Boaz, had spoken about, came by. Boaz called him by name and said, come over here and sit down. So he went over and sat down. Then Boaz took 10 men of the town's elders and said, sit here. And they sat down. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, is selling a piece of land that belonged to our brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you. Buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. And if you want to redeem it, do so. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know because there, is, there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it. And I am next after you. I want to redeem it, he answered. Then Boaz said, on the day that you buy the land from Naomi, you will also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the deceased man, to perpetuate the man's name on his property. The redeemer replied, I can't redeem it, I can't redeem it myself or I will ruin my inheritance. Take my right of redemption because I can't redeem it. At an earlier period in Israel, a man removed his sandal and gave it to the other party in order to make any matter legally binding concerning the right of redemption or exchange of property. There were no receipts back then, so you took off your sandal as an exchange. This was a method of legally binding a transaction in Israel, so the redeemer removed his sandal and said to Boaz, buy back the property, for, buy back the property yourself. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses today that I am buying from Naomi everything that belonged to Elimelech, Shilion, and Milan. I will also acquire Ruth the Moabitess, Milan's willow, willow, widow, as my wife to perpetuate the deceased man's name on his property so that his name will not disappear among his relatives or from the gate of his home. You are witnesses today. 
the elders and all the people who were at the gate said, we are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who was entering into your house like, Leah, like, Leah, like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you be powerful in Ephrathah and famous in Bethlehem. May your house become like the house of Perez, the son of Tamar, bore Judah because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. When he was intimate with her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth a son. Then the Lord said to Naomi, praise the Lord, who has not left you without family redeemer today. May his name become well known in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. Indeed, your daughter-in-law who loves you and is better to you than your seven sons has given birth to him. Naomi took the child, placed him on her lap, and took care of him. The neighbor woman said, a son has been born to Naomi, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Now this is the genealogy of Perez. Perez fathered Hezron. Hezron fathered Ram, who fathered Aminadab. Aminadab fathered Nashon, who fathered Salmon. Salmon fathered Boaz, who fathered Obed. And Obed fathered Jesse, who fathered David, which tells us that Boaz is the grandfather of King David. That was a lot, wasn't it? That was a lot. So I want to talk because now we finally get to this fourth chapter. And I've been telling you guys for the first three chapters that this is not, per se, the most beautiful love story. But here in the fourth chapter, it becomes a real love story. So the title of this message is, When He's Really Into You. When He's Really Into You. So there are five things. There are five things. How many? Just want to make sure y'all are listening. Five things that I wrote through this scripture to show us when he, whether it's your Boaz or whether it's Jesus, is really into you. Y'all with me? All right. Number one. Boss. Boaz. <laughs> Boaz makes sure he has his priorities in order before marrying Ruth. Now, we're familiar with the, let's, let's just do a recap. You guys ready? There's a woman by the name of Naomi. She's married to a man by the name of? <laughs> Y'all funny. Elimelech. Elimelech, had two, Elimelech and Naomi had two sons. The two sons' names were Mylon and Shilion. Rachel cheating. Mylon and Shilion. They moved to the land of Moab. They married two Moabite girls. The two Moabite girls' names are? Orpah, I'm glad you didn't say Oprah, and Ruth, and they are what? Where are they from? Moab, and they are Moabitess. The two sons, Milion, Shilion, and the father, Elimelech, what happens to them? They die, which leaves Naomi as a what? It leaves her as a widower with two daughters-in-laws, but there's no man to protect them. So now, Naomi has to go back to her hometown but Ruth refuses to leave her. I'm paraphrasing this. We ain't got time to go through all this again. So Ruth leaves her, leaves with her, and they go back into Bethlehem, Judah. The problem is, is they go, because they go back to Bethlehem, Judah, uh, Naomi somewhat forfeits her rights to her inheritance because her husband's dead. So there's no man that can take possession of the land, which forces her to have to sell the house because women didn't own possessions at that time. Y'all with me? So now we see here that 
uh, Ruth somehow is being obedient to God, uh, not even knowing. She's gleaning in the fields, and the Bible says she stumbled across the field of a man by the name of Boaz. Boaz now gives her protection. Boaz now does all of these things. Naomi now comes to her, gives her instruction on how to get with Boaz. She says, hey, what you're going to do is at the end of the night, he's going to be sleeping at the threshing floor. You're going to lay at his feet. You're going to uh, relax. He's going to open his eyes. He's going to ask you what you want. You're going to tell him that you want him to be your kinsman redeemer. You're going to want him to save you uh, so, that you can, so that we can be married back into the family of Israel. And then you're going to do whatever he tells you to do. Boaz wakes up and Ruth is laying at his feet. And, and when she's laying at his feet, she looks at him and he says, what are you doing here? She says, I'm here. She basically, I'm here because I need you to marry me so that we can get our inheritance back. Boaz says, I would love to do so. The problem is, is that there is a kinsman that is closer to me in the family line that has, to, has uh, the opportunity to marry you before I can. Let's slow it down for just a couple minutes. We talked about this last week. During the biblical times, if a woman was married, her husband died, and they did not have children. It was the responsibility of the next brother of the husband in line to have a seed or have a child with the deceased brother's wife. <laughs> this, this is all biblical. This is all in the Old Testament. Look at your neighbor and say Old Testament. Old Testament, Old Testament. Oh, oh. thank God I got four children, so we ain't got no problems here. But if there was a case in the Old Testament, Rachel would have to call Phil. Ooh. And I'll kill him in my dreams. <laughs> he will wake up choked. But in the biblical times, Rachel would have to go call Phil. And Phil would have to give her a child in my name. So Ruth is now a widow, and her husband never gave her a child. So she goes to Boaz to be her kinsman redeemer and give her a seed in that name so that the name can continue to flow. But the problem is, is Boaz is not the closest kin. See, because after Phil, I don't have any other brothers. So what it means is we go to the next closest kin, which would be my first cousin, which is Manuel. But Manuel got four girls. And Manuel don't want no more kids. So we, we now see here that she goes to Boaz basically to reclaim her relationship, or for Naomi, really, because Ruth is a Moabitess, but to reclaim relationship for that family name to be engraved back into Israel. So Boaz now makes a vow to her. He says, unfortunately, I can't marry you because I'm not the closest kin. But what I will do is I will ask him, and if he does not pick, take on the responsibility of marrying you, then I will marry you, and then we'll make sure that this thing goes on. So we see here now, we finally get to the fourth chapter of Ruth. And when we get to the fourth chapter of Ruth, we see that Boaz immediately gets to business. This shows you how much he loved Ruth and how much he cared about her. The first thing that he does is the Bible says he goes to the gate of the town and he sits there. He meets her. He meets or he's ready to meet the, this redeemer before he even comes into the gates of the city. Now, what it shows you, number one, is that Boaz has his priorities in order. He does not try to jump into the relationship until he makes sure that everything is in line according to the word of God. Mm. So one thing that one way that you will know that he is really into you is that his priorities are in order before he steps into a relationship with you. Does that make sense? 
He does not marry Ruth. He does not jump into a relationship. He does not jump ahead of the kinsmen. He makes sure that everything is in order before he steps into relationship with Ruth. I promise you this is going to speed up in just a couple moments. Y'all with me? Number two. He's a man of his word. He's a man of his word. Y'all with me? He's a man of his word, and he immediately gets to business after he promises Ruth that he's going to marry her. Watch this. Love does not procrastinate. When someone really loves you, they don't procrastinate. Y'all quiet. Boaz does not sit around and give her the runaround for another three years. Boaz does not say, wait till, you know, things get right. No, Boaz is immediately in position and ready to step to the plate and get this done. So the Bible says that Boaz went to the gate of the town, and as soon as he seen the family redeemer, as soon as, as soon the family redeemer Boaz had spoken of came by, Boaz called him by name and said, come and sit down. He does not give the man time to think. The moment the man comes into the city, Boaz sits him down so they can start the negotiations so that he can find out whether or not he can be the kinsman redeemer to Ruth. Y'all with me? He does not just jump in or he does not wait. He does not chill. But remember, in the third chapter, he gave her uh, six bags of barley, which symbolized that I'm giving you just enough because I'm going to make sure that I give you the promise that I'm going to make sure that I answer to the promise that I gave you. Are y'all with me? So now we see here that Boaz... Uh, called him by called him by name and he came and sat down and so he went down over and sat down and Boaz took ten men of the city elders towns and said sit here and they came and sat down now watch this he wants to make sure that he's an honest man the one thing that Boaz wants to do is he wants to make sure that what he's getting ready to do is getting ready to do something that's honest y'all want to know something powerful did y'all notice how many of y'all read the book of Ruth even if it wasn't this month before, you ever read the book of Ruth before? You guys ever notice, and throughout the whole entire book, that it does not give us any type of physical characteristics of Ruth? <laughs> not once does it say she's tall, she's short, she's fine, she's thick, she's slim, she's this, she's that. There's nowhere in the Bible does it tell us anything about the physical characteristics of Ruth, but yet Boaz still wants her. Think about it. Why did Jacob love Rachel? She was beautiful. What does the Bible tell us about Sarah? She was beautiful. What does the Bible tell us about Rebecca? She was beautiful. What does the Bible tell us about Bathsheba when David is looking upon the roof and he sees her naked? She was beautiful. But nowhere in this Bible... Does it tell us anything about the physical characteristics of Ruth, but yet Boaz still wants her? Why does he want her so bad when there's nothing about her physical characteristics? Hmm. You're with me? Who can find a virtuous woman for her value is more than rubies? Her virtue was more valuable than her body. <laughs> y'all y'all quiet. Her integrity made her attractive. Y'all quiet. Bible doesn't say she walks around swinging her thing and, you know, twerking. 
Now, think about this for just a couple moments. What did we talk about this back in uh, Numbers 25? The Moabites were known for being seductive women. Remember we talked about this. The Bible says that they were so seductive that what? The men of Israel started prostituting themselves for these women. They switched the script. This is where Moab comes from. This is where Ruth comes from. She comes from a bloodline of sedu seductive women, but she does not use her seduction to gain access. She uses her integrity and her virtue. Help me, God. We got, you got to be careful being so caught up in beauty that you don't question whether or not somebody has integrity. You can't get so caught up in the body that you, you, you don't question whether or not somebody has virtue. Because what you'll have is you'll have a beautiful person with no morals. What you'll do is you'll have a fine man that has no, no, no morals and, 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 and no relationship with God. And all you're stuck with is a body. But Boaz, being a man of spirit and being a man of character, he looks beyond her looks. Now, I'm not saying Ruth is an ugly woman. We don't know. But what, I'm, what the Bible is really showing us is that this relationship and this love that he has for her is more beyond what she can do for him sexually. He does not marry her just so they can have sex. He does not just marry her just so they, they can lay in the bed together. But he marries her because he watches her when she's out gleaning in the fields. She's not messy. She didn't start gossiping with the other women. She was minding her business. She was doing the works. And she was looking out for a woman who could not look out for herself. And Boaz saw that. He saw her integrity. And what is integrity? Integrity is not what you do when everyone's watching. Integrity is what you do when nobody's watching. <laughs> you seen $100 fall out of somebody's pocket, what you going to do? I ain't going to ask y'all. Some of y'all, y'all just <laughs> terrible. Look, Jody just telling all of them herself with that laugh. Integrity is what you do when no one is watching, and she's just minding her business in the second chapter, gleaning the fields, and there was something beautiful about her integrity that turned him on. Woo! You find somebody in love, if you find somebody that really loves somebody, and you ask them why are they in love, they might tell you a little something, something about the body, but later on, the, relationship, the conversation starts getting deeper. I love the way she prays. I love the way she, she, she gets up in the morning and she dedicates her life to God. I love the way she carries herself in the street. Y'all quiet in here. Maybe I'm, I'm the only one that looks for that. It was looking for that when I got married. In the same way for y'all ladies, you're not just looking for just the casing of a man, but you're looking for somebody that you can brag about for having integrity outside of his body. So when we look at this text, we don't see a man caught up in his flesh. We see a man that sees value in her integrity, and he wants to be connected to the integrity that's in her. Mm. Because when, when integrity and integrity get together, you got a powerful thing. Number three. Already went through there. <laughs> he doesn't proceed without... I'm sorry. Number three, Boaz's commitment to Ruth goes beyond her looks. And I already did that one. Number four, he's an honest man. He's an honest man. Now watch this. The kinsman, the other kinsman redeemer doesn't even know that he can marry Ruth. He doesn't even know that there's other land available that he could get if he marries, marry Ruth. Boaz could immediately jump the gun married her, had no integrity, 
bought the land, purchased it, and kept it moving. But because he had integrity, the first thing he does is he tries to find the closest kin and make sure that he has access or he has the opportunity to marry her before he steps in line and takes on the responsibility. One thing about people of character is that they do what's right and they make sure that they do what's right and they don't try to cut nobody. Let me tell you something, man. I've learned this over the years. When you treat people bad and when you cut corners, I promise you it's going to catch up to you. I am a living witness. When you try to cut corners, it will always catch up to you. And Boaz, being a man of integrity, does not cut corners. Watch this. He has to trust God's will before his desires. He wants to marry Ruth. He wants to get with her. But he also recognizes that I have to be an honest man and make sure that the proper person has position first before I step in and then I can marry her. So his honesty is one of the things, or a man's honesty is one of the things that show you whether he's written to you or not. If you lying and we dating, you gonna lie when we marry. Y'all quiet. <laughs> Y'all quiet. If you ain't honest while we dating, you ain't gonna be honest when we together. So what Boaz is showing is that I'm willing to be honest before I even get with her to show the type of quality of man that he is. And number five, and I'm going to move on from here. I got a whole lot more. Science, he's really into you. Watch this. He knows the word. Remember, he goes to the gate and he meets with the kinsman redeemer or the redeemer and he gives him the word, which tells us what? That the other redeemer didn't know the word. He revealed that man's destiny to him by knowing the word. So it shows us five things. It shows us that Boaz does not, does not move forward without making sure his priorities are in order. He's a man of his word. He doesn't get caught up in just looks. He's an honest man, and he knows the word of God. So now let's go back to the scripture. I promise you we're going we're gonna to speed this up in a minute. So now we go to the, back to the fourth chapter. And when we go back to the fourth chapter, he meets him at the gate. He meets the redeemer, the other redeemer at the gate. And he says, come over and sit down. So he went and sat down. Then Boaz took the ten men of the town's elders and said, sit here. And he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has returned from the land of Moab, is selling a piece of the land that belonged to her brother Elimelech. I thought I should inform you. Buy it back in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you want to redeem it, do so. But if you do not want to redeem it, tell me so that I will know because there isn't anyone other than you to redeem it. And I am next after you. And this is the other guy immediately. I want to redeem it. The man is looking at the land, but he doesn't recognize that there's responsibility that comes with the land. Y'all with me? Two ways to know that he's not into you. When he's caught up in substance but not caught up in responsibility. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Because now he recognizes that he can get this big field. Y'all with me? He recognizes that he can get this big field, but when Boaz tells him that he has to marry Ruth, all of a sudden, nah, 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 nah. So you want the land, but you don't want the responsibility. <laughs> you want to lay with me, but you don't want to deal with the repercussions of what possibly could come out of this if we lay together. And one way that you know that he's not into you is if he wants to play 
but he don't want to pay. Y'all quiet in here. Y'all quiet. <laughs> Y'all with me? Number two, number one, he's selfish. Number two, he can't get past her past. Watch this. He tells him back in the, in the, in the fourth chapter, he says, if you want this land, you have to marry Ruth. So watch this. He doesn't want to take on a responsibility, but he also doesn't want to deal with the fact that he's connected to a Moabite. So watch this. What did I tell you about Ruth? She, we don't know anything about her looks, but what do we know about her? She has integrity. He don't care about the integrity. All he cares about is what it looks like. All he cares about is her past. All he cares about is who she's connected to. All he cares about is what everyone else is going to say if they see her or see her with him. So he doesn't want to take on a responsibility because he doesn't want to mess up his reputation. Another thing that he doesn't want to deal with is he doesn't want to have a baby with her first. Because if she has a baby with her first and he has other land, that baby, that half Moabite baby, gets access or more than half of his inheritance, which means that all the children after that won't get what that first child has, which tells us that he doesn't want a mixed breed baby. Y'all with me? So he doesn't want to mess with her because of her past. And this is what I'm showing you here, how Boaz symbolizes a Christ that Boaz knows her past. Boaz knows where she comes from. But Boaz still wants her. Doesn't that remind us of Jesus? How we've, we, have, we all have our past and we all have our issues. But when a whole lot of other folks turn their back and say, I don't want no parts of you. God still looks at you and says, I still have plans concerning you. And I'm so glad that God ain't like other people. Because if God was like other people, they, he would have left us a long time ago. But he looked beyond our faults and he saw our needs and he saw our integrity and he saw us praying and he saw us fasting and he saw us trying to gain relationship with him. And in spite of all of our dark issues and all of our dark sins and all of our dark past, God looks beyond your Moabite issues and says, I still want to be your kinsman redeemer. And that's how why we cannot not come to church and not say thank you, God, for saving us because he could have turned his back on us a long time ago. If y'all just tell the truth and you just look over the timeline of your life and look at some of the mistakes you've made, you recognize that you are not worthy for his grace. But yet God looked beyond all of your mess and all of your dirt and all of your issues and said, I still have plans concerning your life. Who won't serve a God like that so she's a Moabite but I still want her she got a whole lot of issues in her past but I still want her she comes from a bloodline of incest but I still want her she's been married before but I still want her she knows nothing about my culture but I still want her this is powerful y'all she doesn't look the part, but I still want her. She comes from a rough side of the town, but I still want her. This is God talking about you. You got a past, but I still want you. You got issues, but I still want you. You've been hurt, but I still want you. You've been sick, but I still want you. 
You had been going through all types of trials and tribulations. You've almost given up on me, but I still want you. Now he tells the man, well, if you don't want it, you don't want to deal with the responsibility, then give it to me. And the man takes off of his shoe, which symbolizes a transaction. And he gives it to Boaz in the midst of the witnesses and says, I now give him the authority to be the kinsman redeemer of a woman with a past. Are y'all with me? Y'all with me? Go back to the chapter. Go back to the fourth chapter. I'm sorry. He takes off his shoe, gives it to her, or gives it to Boaz, and gives him authority to have her. Now watch this. I told y'all, I got a lot to say here, so I want y'all to bear with me, okay? The first redeemer, y'all with me, symbolizes the law. It symbolizes the Old Testament law. And the Old Testament law could not redeem us because it can't look beyond our issues. <laughs> the law looks at you and it sees all of your flaws, but it can't see what the God sees inside of you. The first redeemer symbolizes the law, which shows you and exposes all of your issues, but doesn't show the root of your issues. It symbolizes that thing that shows you all of your problems but cannot give you a solution for your problem. And since it can't find a solution, it gives it over to the other redeemer, which symbolizes Christ. And what that means, he symbolizes, he symbolizes grace, that I, not only am I willing to deal with your past, but I'm also willing to cover it. So Boaz symbolizes, it typifies a Christ. The first redeemer symbolizes the law, but we can't be saved by the law. So God sent his only son to be our kinsman redeemer, and his name is Jesus Christ. I'm almost done, y'all. And now he takes off of his shoe and he gives it to the kinsman redeemer. Are y'all with me? There's more significance than just a transaction of the land. There's more. There's more significance than just handing his shoe over saying that you can have her and you can have the land. Are you with me? In the book of Exodus, the second chapter, when Moses was at the burning bush, what did the burning bush tell him to do with his shoes? Take them off. Why? Because you're on holy land. In the book of Joshua, the sixth chapter, after they came to the walls of Jericho, the Bible says that there was an angel that was sitting there. And he says, are you for us or are you for it? Are you against us? And what did the angel give the instruction for Joshua to do? Take off of his shoes because he was on holy ground. <laughs> but it was more significant than holy ground. What he was saying is take your shoes off and give them to me so I can take the lead in your life. Oh, y'all with me? So when Boaz took the shoe, what it symbolized was that he was willing to feel the responsibility of whatever was necessary to get Ruth to her destination. Y'all with me? When we give our life to Christ, what we're doing is we're taking off of our shoes and we're handing it to Jesus and we're saying, Jesus, you put them on and you direct us. Direct my paths. Direct my walk. Direct my lifestyle. Direct where I go. Direct my here or there. Give me instruction. How many times have we taken off our shoes and given them to Jesus? And how many times have we kept them on trying to walk ourselves? Should think about it for just a minute. How often do you take your shoes off and give them to Jesus and say, You take the lead? When Moses took his shoes off and gave them to God, 
they entered into a promise. When Joshua took his shoes off and gave them to God, he opened up the Jordan. And when you take off your shoes and give them to God, now don't y'all get barefoot in here. <laughs> Talking spiritually. When you take off your shoes and you give them to God, what you're saying is, God, I am instructed to follow and do whatever you want to do in my life. How many of us can say that we have completely trusted completely in the will of God? And how many of us have the testimony that I'm walking in circles because I'm walking in my own shoes? Does this make sense? Are you willing to let God fill your shoes? I know this is a little slow today. Are you willing to let God take the complete lead in your life? Or are you trying to take the lead and tell God what he's going to do? So Boaz now takes the shoe which symbolizes that he's going to take the complete structure in order and, 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 and he's going to take all of uh, control of this destiny. Now watch this. And when he does that, he goes and he gets Ruth, puts her in her respectful place. She gets pregnant. She has a son by the name of Obed. Obed has a son. He goes by the name of Jesse. Jesse has a son. He has a son by the name of David. It all aligns to the destiny and the will of God. But can I go a step further? Y'all want to go a step further? Darnell, you want to go a step further with me real quickly, and I'm going to sit down. I promise you. I'm, I'm done after this. I hope this makes some sense. Fourth chapter makes some sense today? A little bit? Just a little bit? All right, just a little bit. We'll, we'll discuss it on Wednesday. <laughs> Revelation is the fifth chapter. The Bible says that John, the revelator, says, And behold, I looked. And when I looked, there was one that was holding a roll in his right hand with seven seals. And there was no one that was worthy to open these seven seals. And John says, and I begin to weep for there was no one worthy to open the seven seals. But lo and behold, one began to holler and yell, behold, there is the, la the, the, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And John says, but when I looked, I saw a lamb and what he saw was he saw Jesus and the lamb came to the throne and took the roll and began to take the seals off. And I began to weep. And the Bible says, and the 24 elders begin to bow down. What does this symbolize? It symbolized Christ in the book of Revelations, the fifth chapter, being our kinsman redeemer. Inside of the hands of God on the throne was was the deed, the deed. Of, of dominion on earth. And there was no one that had authority to take the deed of the earth other than Jesus. So when Jesus came, he became our kinsman redeemer, took the deed, opened the deed. And when he opened the deed, there were seven plagues which symbolized warfare on earth so that God could take possession back over the earth so that you and I could be saved which symbolize that he is our kinsman redeemer. Y'all looking at me like I'm, I'm confusing y'all for just a couple minutes, but let me break it down for you. What happened was, was when we sinned in the Garden of Eden, the enemy took dominion over the earth. And there was no one that was able to take dominion back over the earth without the proper sacrifice. 
And the only person that could offer the proper sacrifice was Jesus through his blood on the cross. And when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, he became our Boaz and he took redemption over the land so that you and I can have eternal life. This whole Boaz story is a story of Jesus who died on the cross so that we can have access back into eternal life, which was where we belong to begin with. We sinned and we went to Moab and we tried to come back to our respectful place, but could not come back without a kinsman redeemer. So Christ became our Boaz and he took eternal redemption over the earth so that we could go back in our respectful place. Am I talking too heavy? So the book of Ruth, and I'm done here, is a love story in the fourth chapter. We finally get to the place and what he shows us in this book is that he looks beyond our flaws. He looks beyond our past. He looks beyond our issues, and he still sees our purpose. I don't care what your issue is in this room. I don't care what sin anybody has ever done. God is able to forgive and redeem you for whatever mistakes you have had. But you got to take your shoes off and give them to him. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? See, one of the biggest, one of the biggest rivals that we have in our walk is not God. It's not the devil. It's you. You can't forgive yourself. You can't get over your past. You can't get over your mistakes. You can't get over your issues. And you're blocking yourself from your own deliverance, not because of no one else, but because of you. And what I love about Ruth is once she landed in Bethlehem, Judah, in chapter two, she does not mope around and talk about her past and who she was and how they're not going to accept her. The Bible says the moment she landed in Bethlehem, Judah, she got up and she went to work. She got up and she applied Leviticus 23 and 22. She got up and she applied the word. In a moment, she applied the word. Her obedience led her into her destiny. You'll never be led into your destiny until you trust this word. You'll never be led into your destiny until you open this Bible, until you open this book. And you look for answers for God to lead you into your destiny. As long as we are trying to figure it out without this, you're going to walk in circles. But the moment you open this book up and you trust it and you look for instruction, and you look for answers, God is going to give you all the answers you need to get you to where you need to go. Can I tell you the honest truth? The honest truth is we don't want to open the book sometimes because we don't want it to tell us about ourselves. <laughs> Y'all quiet. Many times you already know the issue, but you don't want to open a book so it can tell you about yourself. So you keep the book closing and you just want to just go to God and say, God, why? Why does this keep happening? You, you, you know what's in there. You don't want it to tell you the truth. You don't want it to tell you that you got the wrong attitude. You don't want it to tell you that you need to apologize to people. You don't want it to tell you that you need to love people. So I'm going to leave that alone. I'm going to just bother God and God is just going to say, I'm going to be quiet. I'm not going to bother you back. I'm not going to answer you back till you open that book and you get the instructions because you know what you need to do. And when Ruth became obedient to the word of God, it led her into her destiny. I'm finished, y'all.
so we're going to close here today in Ruth 4. And um, I'll get excited next month. We're going to go through the book of Judges. Y'all with me? We're going to go through the book of Judges. I'm going to go through quite a few. I'm going to go through, it's five Sundays, so I'm going to go through five of them. So we're going to deal with Deborah. We're going to deal with Gideon. We're going to deal with um, Samson, um, JL. We're going to deal with a couple of them throughout the book of Judges, and we're going we're gonna to flow through that for the next couple of weeks. Um, our family series is in July, and um, we got a lot of things that we're going to be working on in the next couple of weeks. I'm, I'm looking to do something this summer, <clears throat> and I'm closing here. Just looking to do something this summer, y'all, if y'all can help me. So the Lord put this on my heart. You know, we usually do some type of outreach once a month, but I want to do something big, so we're going to focus on this for the summer, okay? Um, I'm looking for five teachers, five educators in this region, um, either Woodbury, Defford, West Defford, Woodbury Heights. Any, am I missing any other towns around here? Um, a school, I'm looking for five school teachers, okay? Um, so I need you guys to look around for me. Um, get, get a list from them of everything that they need for school supplies for September. And what I want to do this whole entire summer is we just come in and invest. And when they start school September 1st or whenever they start school, those five teachers will not want for nothing. How does that sound? Does that sound all right? Does that sound good? <laughs> all right, so we want to be a blessing to five teachers in this region. So um, if you guys have any names, if you know someone, um, if you know any teachers in this region, please see Rachel, give her the names. Um, if you could, try to get a list from them of what they need for September. I can't speak for everybody, but I know like where my kids go to school, the teachers are practically crying in September because, you know, they make a certain amount, but then they're using their own money to get materials for students because the townships don't have the money in their budgets to cover these things in certain townships. Um, so we want to make sure that we're a blessing to these teachers. You got a question? Okay, get us, there. get us her name. Get us her name. Um, and we're going to bless her in September. Um, I, wanna, I, want to, I don't know if we're going to meet them here or what, but we're going to fill their cars with boxes of everything they need. And that first week, that first day in September when they start school, they don't have to go out of their own pocket to do everything they need to do for their school. Does that sound good? All right. Father, we thank you, Lord, for meeting us here on today, God. Thank you, Lord, for this series in the book of Ruth, God. We thank you, Lord, for taking us through this book for the last four weeks. Thank you, Lord, for opening our eyes and our hearts and understanding the scripture, God. And God, we ask, God, that you just continue, God, to just give us more insight in your word, God. We thank you, Lord, for being our kinsman redeemer, God. We thank you, Lord, for saving our souls, God. We thank you, Lord, for dying on Calvary's cross over 2,000 years ago, God, so that we can have eternal life, God. And God, we ask, God, that you keep us, God, protect us, God, have your way in our life, and we thank you, and we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go-hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.